The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 251 of On the Corner, the official podcast of Pitchless.com. My name is Nick Pollock, and I'm joined by the sniffly Alex Fast. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a great one. Yeah, I feel like a little allergies down in Florida. We drove down to Florida, felt like got a little allergies. I, if I were to introduce you today, I would have been like the mad Nick Pollock. This is like your favorite time of year, right? Oh, this Mar- March is the best month of the year. Oh, interesting. It's like the it's this it's the month of hype. Mm. There's all these exciting things going on. Finally, the winter cold is going away. Obviously, here in New York City, and it's like oh, so exciting! It's going to be warm, and it's going to stay warm for so long. And you can you can smell baseball in the air, and you have March Madness going on. And normally, I coach basketball, so then we have our finals, our championship in the month of March. It's the best month. So yeah, you're a big. Mar- people might not know this about you, but you are a big March Madness guy. You you really dig watching March Madness. Oh, it's 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 blind emotion for like mm-hmm. people you don't even know, but suddenly you care so much about this one game and you get to root along with. Like, why would you want that? Yeah, that's so much fun to feel so invested in a game you never thought you would. But I have an excuse now. It's great. It's so it much is, fun, fast. It is a lot of fun. I, I haven't really watched any this year. Uh, I, but yeah, I definitely agree. Sometimes when you watch it, you just get sucked into it, and it is a lot of fun. But we're not talking about basketball today. We got no. so much to get to today. Yeah, we got a lot of things. And before we do, uh, you should be getting PL Plus if you're not a part of it already. Uh, essentially, PL Plus does a couple things. One, obviously, you support what we do with this podcast and the website. Everything we re-raise goes straight back into the site. And what you get is an ad-free version of the website. You also get our PL Discord. It's an amazing, amazing place. We have over 800 members. If you remember, we've been doing this. I mean, we used to say 700 members. We have over 800 now. Hmm. We have all these channels from Fantasy Help, uh, Twitter News, daily lineups to help you keep on top of changes before lineups lock during the season. We have all of our article notifications and podcast notifications. So much stuff. An amazing community. You should be a part of it. Get PL Plus today. Pitchless.com slash plus support what we're doing uh, and yeah, we have a lot of things coming out. 
Soon. Not just soon, too. We had some big things come out today. I don't know if you guys have been over to the site today, but the Ultimate 2021 Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide came out today by uh, Nick. What is that? Over 40,000 words. Um, 4,300. 4,300. It was a novella. It was a novella. Well, people are going to skip them anyway, because the thing that they (laughs) care about the most is the rankings. And uh, I mean, I I don't want to steal your thunder. What can they expect from this article on PitcherList today? So, So I don't really want to call it a ranking it's more of just it's a, it's an outline of my targets like how am i navigating my drafts i've done a ton of them so far with the pitcherless staff and also actual ones that mean something and and of course our legacy league which we'll talk about and tout wars which we'll talk about mm-hmm. today but it goes through like saying hey in your normal 12 teamers and yahoo and everything like that these are the guys i'm targeting at certain rounds and here's the general flow of the draft. So you can actually plan for this stuff, you know, instead of just blindly going into it saying like, I like this guy at shortstop or this guy at second base. Well, what if you don't get them? What are your backup options? What rounds are you going to go after them? And you can really figure out your strategies from it. So there's no one way to draft this year. And I've given the whole outline of what to expect. It makes it a lot easier for you. Yeah, it's definitely something that you need to be checking out. If you're there, you can also check out what we're going to be spending a majority of our time on today, which is my new updated top 100 list. We got yes. plenty of time to talk about that today. But before that, we have two. And if you if you're if you're not interested in in Nick's tout re, uh, 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 recap, which you should be, because it's really good stuff to hear. Uh, if you're not interested in that, if you're not interested in the Legacy Breakdown League, the wonderful Trevor Huth has built these timestamps in for you. You can skip right to the top 100 updated discussion. But first things first, I want to talk about your tout uh, draft. Sure. So it happened last night. It happened yesterday. Um, why don't you break down for those listening what kind of tout league this is? Because it's not, it's a mixed, right? And it's right. also, I believe, categories. Yeah. So, okay. So uh, as the winner of Tout Wars, Ariel Cohen got to choose the exact format for the next year. He decided to choose CBS points. And that changes a lot of things. Uh, first and foremost, some people have actually tweeted this at me because I... I <laughs> I often say I don't like saves and steals, right? Mm-hmm. And you can avoid that if you just do a points league, right? That's not categories anymore. So in this one, there's a lot of different weights and values. If you play CBS, you know what I'm talking about. But the main thing I really do want to point to is that for, for pitchers, you get a point per out. So three points for every inning pitched, which is real, real heavy emphasis on guys that have volume, especially when you add in Three, three points for a quality start and seven points for a win. So innately, if you go six innings and you get a win during that, uh, you're going to get 31 points. Mm-hmm. Just innately off the bat. It doesn't really even matter like how much how many runs, you know, so, so 300 runs, sure, negative three, there is 18. You know, it, there's just... It's, it's so one beneficial. point per un, un, earned run? Yes, negative one. Oh, wow. It's so heavy in favor of volume. Mm-hmm. So I, I certainly favor that with the guys that I got. Uh, maybe they're like one, yeah, really like one that maybe isn't as much. Uh, but I still think he, I got a decent discount on him, so that made it okay. Uh, but that made me focus a lot on hitting just because I felt there were a lot of these discount pitchers. Like there are a lot of pitchers I felt went too high, not really understanding to me at least. I don't know. I could be. Everyone feels confident in their teams and projections when they do auction drafts, of course. Of course. Um, but I didn't want to lean on um, a lot of the pitchers that were getting a lot of money. And that's why I found myself 
not having a de facto top 15 starter on my team. Um, and I would say in the one area that I have to prove myself in this league is, yeah, I need to make sure that my, my pitching is solid and I can pick it up during the season. So I focus on offense and... I really, really like my offense fast. Yeah, there's no reason not to. I mean, the offense really, I mean, like, I'm just going to do a quick rundown. It's a two catcher league. So we got Posey, Real Muto in the infield. We have Bell, Muncie, and Goldschmidt. And then we also have McNeil, Gregorius, and Cattell Marte. Uh, I also like, you know, with Cattell Marte and with Whit Merrifield, who I'm going to talk about in a second, you have that great positional eligibility because Cattell Marte is obviously going to get outfield eligibility pretty soon at the beginning of the year. So being able to plug and play that stuff uh, in the outfield, you have Grisham, Kepler, uh, Starling Marte for the full Marte Parte. Yeah, let's uh, go. <laughs> with Merrifield, Mike Trout, uh, and Gavin Lux. So yeah, that, that's a really nice offense. There. You know, I really just like Arrested Development. Why? And that's why I went after Marte. Um, I don't know if you remember, that's the uh, Hermano. Um, Marta. Marta. What's well, close enough. Marta. It's close enough. Bees? <laughs> but no, Jeff McNeil also and Max Muncy, they both have more flexible uh, um uh, maneuverability inside the lineup. I dig that. Uh, so it's kind of funny too. Like I always say, like get Whit Merrifield. I have him inside of the, the <laughs> line too. But yeah, he's just also really really well rounded. And I I you know I think I got him at a discount. Had him at a twenty two dollar value and got Merrifield at seventeen. So it's it's a lineup that I probably will need to swap out Gavin Lux. But he was my last pick. I had two bucks left. Someone put him for one. I was like, great, I'll take him for two. And that was it. No, I like that. And I mean, it is so it is a 12 team mixed. Um, so you had to do something interesting, right? Which, which, uh, well, first things first, I was following along in the draft. And the first thing that I saw pop up next to your name was Whit Merrifield. And I was like, yeah, duh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because I know you're, you're big on him this year. Uh, but then the other thing was I was following along and watching all these SPs go off the board. And then I, I looked at the end and you had kind of an interesting strategy. I mean, like, you said it yourself. I, I think the pitching is probably the weaker part of, of oh, the team, absolutely. right? I, and that is the regret. I, I probably would have liked to swap one more outfielder away and gone yeah. a more sturdy starter. 100%. And then uh, you, you yeah. did get really, it stinks that Kirby Yates just like that is, is injured. And now oh. you're just down to one closer. But so do you know, I actually, I'm actually okay. Believe it or not. <laughs> Sorry about that. I no. I got Kirby Yates yesterday and now he's down, but I can slot AJ Puck into the RP slot. So uh, at the beginning of the draft, uh, I mean, this is on me. I didn't, I didn't realize. I mean, I, I kept asking about it, and then we get clarification. I thought it was just nine P slots, and I was like, I do not care about RP because I want to get. I just want the volume every time, and I'd much rather go for that. It's five points for, sorry, seven points for a save. But essentially, you need to get like at least two per week to justify the fact. At least two, not three to justify starting them over over a starter to me. So I so then they just said, no, you have to get two starters. I got Hannon Yates, but you can swap in an RP. So I have AJ Puck in my reserve that can be slotted as an RP. Are there any points for holds? No. So then, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, like, and I'm looking at some of the other teams here. A lot of these guys don't have two closers. I mean, Clay Link has TJ Antone and Emilio Pagan. So he also decided to go with the SPRP. Uh, Dan Strafford has Amir Garrett and Devin Williams, both guys who theoretically might not have the closers job. Uh, Ryan Hallam has uh, Jordan Hicks and James Karinchek. Uh, and this is on their starters, not even looking at their bench. So I think that's a really smart strategy. Hey, I'm not going to worry because there's more insecurity than ever with these. So I'm just going to go ahead and load up uh, SPRP become 
even more valuable. So that AJ Puck pick is really is really interesting and really good to see. But so what I was going to say though is I've never seen someone go fully pitcher in their reserves. Oh, but yeah. it is it is kind of an interesting strategy because you know you are going to be able to get some hitters when when the uh, when the waiver wire opens up. It is a twelve team league, uh, and now that's really going to be what you're mostly having to pay attention to because you've got the bulk. I mean. Madison Bumgarner being there is really good. You'll have to hold on to Luis Severino, but it doesn't matter because you have, I believe, six bench spots. It's an unlimited IL. Oh, it's an, and so it's an that, unlimited I'm be able IL. To get that one back. Yeah, so that's really nice. That's really really nice. Yeah, I mean, you're, the the pitching is something you're definitely going to have to pay attention to. But you know, if Kluber hits then you're in less trouble because theoretically, if Kluber gets to that SP2 and you have Wheeler and Kluber as SP1, SP2, that's going to be really nice. Yeah, so I, w- I do want to emphasize that Wheeler in this league, I think, is much higher. I mean, I've been talking about Wheeler as a top 25 guy around 20. I, I mm-hmm. think that I'm higher in general on Zach Wheeler. I mean, he's one of those guys. I watch him pitch and it's just like, oh, yeah, he's fantastic, right? I think yeah. we even talked about this last time. and. Uh, so I think actually, yeah, I, I spent 21, which is not what I was hoping to do. Um, it was my first starter that I got. And I think in this league specifically, the wheeler that we are thinking of, it's like Kyle Hendricks to me in this in this way uh, with a little bit more strikeout upside. That's how I'm viewing Wheeler in this. I think he can go 200 innings and do really well. But Kluber at $5. I mean, that could easily, easily pay out, if you ask me. Jordan Montgomery at two. James Paxson, who was throwing 94, 96. Mm-hmm. Uh, that looked good. great, apparently, yeah. And I want to emphasize this, too. It's a Monday and Friday swap. So if I have a reserves of Bumgarner, Smith, Keller, AJ Puck, Kramer, Bumgarner, I'm not going to start the first week. It's Padres and, and Coors, fine. But theoretically, in the second half, like I, those guys are four and five starters. Well, I have a lot of one and twos. I can get an extra start that week. Um, well, it's also head to head, right? This is this is head to head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Rota, but I'm saying is I can every single week I can make a swap on Friday and I can actually take advantage of my bench, especially if I pad it with so many opportunities uh, with starters. Yeah, that that is uh, really really nice. Um, so one last question then about your tout. Who, well, a few. Who was your favorite pick and who did you wish you went the extra dollar on? Oh, man. Um, there was a part of me that really wanted to go an extra dollar on Torres. Uh, I saw, I, I messed up the most fast when I accidentally nominated John Means mm-hmm. um, when I was running out of dollars, thinking that he might just slip by and he didn't. I uh, it, It's on me. That's completely my fault. I, I kind of wish I spent the extra dollar on Jameson Tyone. Um, and found a way just to get him. I think he went for a total of $5 at the end. Good. And I, it was at the end I was strapped for cash. And like I could have done 6 But then I would have only had $1 for everyone else. And I just, I just wish I got Jameson Tyone. That's all. Mm. For the full... At that point, you're pretty much 80% there to the full Yankee rotation by mid-season. <laughs> <laughs> like, all you need was... Oh, Aaron man, Cole. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Between Sevi and Kluber yeah, and, and Montgomery. Missing, like, the, I'm missing the best one, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's funny. So, and then what pick did you enjoy the most? Um, Let's see. Uh, I was really happy getting Paxson for two bucks. That was Paxson. at a point when it was, like, I just had Wheel and Kluber, I think, mm. at that point. And getting... And Sixto. And I needed like who's my four who's my fourth starter and like getting Paxton at two dollars, especially when I was terrified. I had to fill out like four more spots. Yeah. And at pitcher, I was like, oh, I need I need a good discount one. And Paxton throwing ninety four, ninety six, twelve teamer. Look, if it doesn't pan out, I'm okay. I will well, find things on this wire. 
Also, unlimited IL really doesn't hurt, especially with a guy like really James Paxton. Really good I didn't even think about that, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, Paxton's that's really good nice. right now. I'm in. Yeah, that's really, really nice to see. Uh, all right, if you had more questions for Nick about his tout draft, you can feel free to reach out to him at PitcherList. But we have so much to get to today that so I actually much. want to go to the PitcherList Legacy League draft. So this is a league that we started three or four years ago with the PitcherList staff, uh, right? It's probably about three or four years now, right? Uh, this is, I mean, we've been doing a fantasy league with the staff before you joined. Yeah, yeah, but this is like the uh, legacy league. The is, legacy league. This is the fourth year. Fourth year, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we have all these leagues and we do our draft. We do our leagues like the championships league where you get relegated and you get promoted at the end of each year. I should have been relegated, but then someone dropped yes. out and it took pity on me. Uh, but I'm not going <laughs> to get relegated this year. So for this, it's a much more straight ahead standard five by five on Yahoo with categories. Um so I we got to I don't know if you guys tuned into the fantastic rock, paper, scissors tournament. We had a big rock, paper, scissors tournament where we all got to choose our spots where we were drafting. And it just so happened that I chose fifth. Nick got dealt sixth as well. I think I dealt. I chose sixth to be right behind you. Do you lied to me in the discord because you said that there were no other options. So then I caught you with your what do you mean no other options. I mean, like that was the best option and I was really happy. I was right behind you. Okay, great. Although we didn't, I'm trying to, we, we talked about this a little bit in the last cast. I don't think there was, I think, I mean, the, the Tyone Savali pick was the one that really like the yeah. Tyone Savali, but the one that, no, there was one that really got you. That really made you mad. Uh, I, I, he had a capital no in the discord channel after it happened. Uh, and man, oh man, did that make me laugh. Uh, you remember who this was? From you to mm-hmm. me? Yes. I uh, know. You were so upset at the time. I. Uh, I'm looking at the draft now. Oh, Zach, yeah. You took Zach Davies from Zach yeah, Davies. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. yes, yes. You really, <laughs> you really wanted Zach Davies. So, I really did. <laughs> Uh, I'll go ahead. I'm going to do a quick breakdown of mine and then I'll toss it over to you to do a quick breakdown of yours. Sure. Um, I, I think, I mean, so my team it's led by Soto, Corey Seager, uh, you know, as my two big bats with then Lucas Giolito and Blake Snell. Um, some of the things I, I, you know, I, I've been talking about this a lot in the podcast. I'm really trying to use each league to go out of my comfort zone in different ways and try and fill teams a little bit differently. Sometimes like I probably have a, a few shares of Cattell Marte here and there, a few shares of Josh Bell here and there, but Overall, things are a little bit different for me. And the reason I bring that up is I am not a big Randy Orozarena fan. Uh, and yeah. I got yeah, him in the seventh round. Look at you. I took him in the seventh round, which is a little bit behind ADP. And I really, really desperately needed stolen bases. Uh, and, you know, that also brings up another interesting point that I wanted to hit on quickly. You know, Corey Seager is a fantastic shortstop. I think he's probably actually. I would say unarguably, if he stays healthy, going to lead all shortstops in terms of home runs. Maybe Trevor Story catches up to him. Uh, but I just think that he has the most power in his bat. And I love taking uh, Corey Seager there. It really puts you in a hole when it comes to stolen bases, right? It makes you make some unfortunate choices that I would love to have taken Whit Merrifield. I wasn't able to get him. I theoretically was going to take Starlin Marte, my, my boy, uh, but he was taken right before me, yeah, so I couldn't take him. You were sniped in the fifth. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was I sniped in the fifth. That really stunk. Um, I got sniped a few times, mostly in the relievers that I wanted to go with. I was sniped back to back by... Uh, I wasn't necessarily sniped because he was later in the draft by Rick Graham, who ended up of taking... All people. I know. Can you believe it? And that's what made it even worse. It was like, man, if the RP guy is taking my picks, then I was definitely (laughs) on to something. He ended up taking Jordan Hicks and Anthony Bass in the 19th and 20th round. But overall, I'm actually... 
Um, I'm excited about Giolito Snell and Lance McCullers. I think McCullers is going to have a really big year and I'm happy that you and I, well, I don't want to speak for you. I'll let you speak for yourself, but I turned my team into like, okay, these are the guys that I believe in. I mean, my pitching staff is all guys that I have talked about either this year or in the past. Giolito, not necessarily, haven't talked about him much, but uh, Snell, McCullers, Savale, Yarbrough, Davies, Lindblom, and Boyd, right? Lindblom, Boyd, McCullers being, and Savale being the guys that I probably talked about the most this offseason. I think that... um, I think my offense is good. I think I've got a lot of pop. I think my stolen bases aren't great. I think that when it comes to my pitching, not enough high ceiling plays, right? I mean, like Giolito, Snell, and McCullers have nice I, ceilings. I agree with this, yeah. But like Savale, I got four floor, especially for innings, because I was a little bit worried about Snell McCullers. And then after that, I backed it up with Ryan Yarbrough because I didn't really like what was necessarily available. I wanted to get another high floor guy. But then between between Yarbrough, Davies, and Lindblom, there's not a lot of really high ceiling there. Um, Boyd, there is still a high ceiling, but obviously that incredibly low floor. So for me, moving forward, I'm just going to really have to be on the waiver wire for like who, and there are going to be plenty. You know, if you've read Nick's article on the draft guide today, you know that you're going to be able to get plenty of high quality guys off the waiver wire. But yeah, I think I could have taken maybe, you know, maybe instead of Yarbrough, I think I could have done a Heaney. Maybe I could have done, um, Domingo I don't know. Yeah, Domingo Herman. I don't. I don't know if I'm fully sold on on Dylan Cease quite yet. Uh, no, maybe I would, even, I would not have done that jump. No. Yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit high. But like, I, even at that point too, there aren't even a lot of guys yeah. that I like absolutely loved. So I guess theoretically, the good news is then like if Lindblom or Boyd um, doesn't really pan out, I I think or Davies, you know, Davies could also be another guy where it's just like. Okay, I've got enough floor guys. Let me get someone who's exciting. Um, that, that's where I stand with mine. How about you? How'd you feel with yours? Oh man, I. So, so if you read the draft guide and you look at my team, I mean, I yeah, I listened to my own guide mm. pretty pretty well. It's uh, it's Degrom. I did from the sixth spot, and I took Degrom in the first round, which is I know very shocking, but this is, this is something that I eventually turned to is if I'm six through eight. I think I would go exactly as we did. The first eight picks should be some collection between Acuna all the way to Bieber um, of the top five guys and the top three starters. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's atypical of me, but what that did is allowed me to go eight straight hitters after mm-hmm. because you, I, I believe in the pocket. The pocket of starters is around, yeah, around nine to about 13, 14. And I articulate that in the guide today saying, look, like this is where you can profit. And I got Alcantara, Sixto Sanchez, James and Tyone. I would have loved ideally to then have gotten one of Savali and Kluber also tacked on at the end. But Kluber went to start at the 11th. You took Savali right after Tyone. And I had a feeling in my head you would not have taken Tyone. And I was like, I know he's going to take Savali. And I really, I just sat there staring at my computer because I was just like, but in the end, I just couldn't. I couldn't have this team without Tyone, and mm-hmm. I couldn't risk it anymore. So I went with that. And then the Reese Hoskins and Will Smith, uh, the uh, the closer for the Braves, um, Shohei Otani, the pitcher, Sale, Domingo Herman, Amir Garrett, Drew Smiley, Michael Lorenzen, Mark Canna, and Carl Santana being Archer Bradley. And I will say that. I didn't mention Lorenzen in the guide because Lorenzen's now having some injury problem. Yeah. Um, Marcana, I actually almost put in the guide. And I just, that was just kind of like a random, like, oh, I don't have an outfielder somehow. Uh, and if you guys know me, I'm very much like, just don't care about your third outfielder. You can, there's so many other places to find 
uh, holes, the fill-in holes that you have, your third outfielder is going to be the easiest position to fill during the season. There's going to be like 20 guys that you want on the waiver wire that should be your outfielder. And I, I, you've experienced this too. You see a guy killing it on the waiver wire as a hitter. And you're like, well, I have no room for him. And you just like move on, mm. you know? And if you leave that open and you focus on other things, like I know that starting pitching is going to be something that's going to help me in this draft. Yeah. Same with a reliever or a closer. So I don't really care about that. So I got Cannon on the 21st. Maybe that works out. I don't know. No, I like it. I mean, he's 20 home runs, pretty, uh, in my opinion. That's 20 home runs to get in the 21st round with an average that isn't going to absolutely kill you. He's probably going to hit 240. Yeah, I mean, well, that's not good to me, if you ask. Like, I don't want a starting outfielder that hits 20 home runs and has 240 for the full year. You know, you need to do you're, better than that in a 12-teamer. Yeah, you're probably not going to have Mark Hanna for a long time. Yeah, 21st <laughs> round. I was like, I need yeah. to start with something, and then we'll figure it out as we go. Uh, but yeah, this uh, I've been saying this as a joke. Like, I feel like this is the best team I've drafted this entire season, mm. <laughs> just because it fit my plan. And if this fails, then I'm so sorry I failed all of you. Uh, because I, I stuck to my guide. I mean, I even got Kevin Biggio in the 8th, which isn't the guide, because I'm not supposed to get Kevin Biggio in the 8th. Mm. But I did. So cool <laughs> yeah that's gonna be a real fun uh, uh back and forth between you and michael ahead the entire year about kevon biggio uh i got because I'm, I'm gonna stoke those flames as well i don't i don't know who i'm gonna have to make fun of more because it's probably a head because if, if biggio is any good he's doomed well the, the only problem with uh biggio is that i think he's currently batting seventh but if they do that that's on roster resource of course uh if they do that that means they start their lineup on, in toronto with six straight right-handers mm. and i'm just i'm betting that they're gonna change that this ain't the Yankees. This ain't, ain't the Yankees. Yankees. They want to be. Yankees. Yeah, but, but anyway, we're going to move past our Legacy League draft. That's not why you're here. Yeah. We're here to talk about Alex Fast's updated top 100. And uh, my first question for you, Fast. Yeah. How easy was this relative to the first? Oh, God. Dude, this feels <laughs> so much better. I mean, like, I'm just such a mess making my original top 100. And the fact that I could be like, yeah, nah, okay, all right. It, like, it, yeah, it was so much better. So much better. Uh, it always is. You know, once you have the foundation created, then it's just, you know, then you kind of know what you're doing. And oh, yeah. you just go through it. So. I'm looking at this now, and by the way, if you can't find this on the site, just go to the draft kit. Uh, I added a link inside of it. Also, we'll put a link inside of these podcast notes for you guys. You didn't touch the top 14. It's all blue of changes. It's you know, exactly the same. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we can start there for sure. I, I, I didn't really see... and. The one person that theoretically would have changed, and I guess maybe now I would change it now that there was some recent injury news about uh, like something in his arm from Zach Allen. Oh, um, oh, yeah, but it, it, but I think uh, Nick Savali tweeted that it uh, wasn't like the issue that you would think of with a UCL. Like it was right. the other part of the arm, which is great. Um, so I would probably, you know, I was thinking at the end of the day, I still think Gallon and Woodruff are going to get the same amount of innings. I still believe in Gallon overall. I, uh, I, I haven't loved what I've seen from Woodruff this spring, and that's never going to be something where I fully use in a ranking, but it's more going to be like a nice tiebreaker, I think. Um, I think that was the only one that I was kind of considering flipping around. I was going to boost maybe Trevor Bauer a little bit because I am pretty sure he's going to continue to use a substance for this year, especially the way that his contract is stipulated. But I just, I don't know. I, I couldn't put him above Luis Castillo. So yeah, I ended up keeping that top 14 pretty much in, sure. uh, yeah, intact. Uh, did you, um, did you hear how Zach Gallen got hurt? Was he swinging? 
He was swinging a bat fast. Yeah, I know. It's it's ridiculous. I I, I know it's maddening. Has their opinions. I'm just you. Get, I hope you know from me that I am 100 pro DH. Yeah, ditto. It's just it just makes too much sense to me. Yeah. Um. And well, who cares about hitting? They're just cardboard cutouts, right? That's, that's all that matters about pitchers. Yeah. Make sure that they can pitch yeah. as much as they can. Uh, and no more game pulled in the fifth because it's a one nothing game and the bases loaded in the bottom of the fifth. Okay. I uh, Jack Flaherty. He's still mm-hmm. at 17, and mm-hmm. I'm sure we talked about this before. You did flip Blake Snell and, and Lance Lynn. They're in the same tier. I, can you talk through that a little bit? I mean, 15, 16, 17 right now is Lynn, Snell, and Flaherty. Yeah, for me, I just kept going back and forth and thinking, like, the the, the health is more secure when it comes to Lynn. And I think at the end of the day, while Snell has the higher ceiling, I like taking that security of Lance Lynn and those innings and the fact that he's going to compile. So I, I don't know. I just I'm still a little bit worried about Snell. We've seen what happens when his command can disappear a little bit more. And while I do think that they both obviously clearly have both high upside, they're both in the top 20. I, I felt like there were fewer things overall that I was worried about with Lynn and a f- little bit more things I was worried about with Snell. And considering how precious innings pitched are going to be this year, I said, you know what, let me put Lynn one spot ahead of, uh, and, of Snell. And what are your concerns about Jack Flaherty? Yeah, the concerns that I have with Jack Flaherty are just that fastball, right? I think what makes his fastball so good is is the slider, right? I think a slider is top five, definitely top 10 slider in all of baseball. I'm a little bit worried about that fastball. I think that it just doesn't have a great movement profile. The way that he utilizes it isn't necessarily great. Um, I we saw last year, like the thing that I've been railing at him about for the past two years is like Babbitt progression on that four seamer, right? Because he's perpetually putting up like 210, 220 Babbitts on that four seamer, right? And obviously he's got a great infield defense behind him. He has unarguably the best uh, defensive third third baseman in baseball behind him. But as you and I found out when I looked it up on baseball savant, his batted balls on, on four seamers don't go to that direction. Uh, So I don't know how much of a deal uh, Nolan Arenado being on the team is necessarily going to matter. So for me, the way I, the reason I end up being a low man on Flaherty, it seems in the industry is because of the fear of that regression. I don't doubt the ceiling. Like I I don't doubt it. Like we, we saw what happens when it can all click for him, but I think Mm -hmm. people are forgetting that like at the end of the day, he really is just kind of a fastball slider kind of dude. And I don't love the fastball. All right. Uh, now I see two major rises here. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I'm not going to do how you do it fast. But okay, go ahead. All the risers and followers. I'm just going straight to the list and telling you how I react. Sure. Uh, I, I see two plus sixes. Uh, it's Freed and Barrios. So Freed mm-hmm. now enters the fourth tier. I don't believe he was there before. Uh, I don't uh, that's think the same so. tier starting with Kershaw at 11, then Maeda Gallon, etc. Uh, and then you have Barrios starting the tier at 22. Now, I'm going to make assumptions that Strasburg and Carrasco fell here. So that's at least two spots dropping. But this is a plus six for each of these. So let's start with Freed. Why is he at 21 now and a part of tier four? Yeah, it is. It is actually, as you kind of just hit the nail on the head, it's more so based on, well, Carrasco immediately dropped. Sonny Gray, Charlie Morton, and Steven Strasburg all dropped as well. Um, Sonny Gray, because of the injury concerns that he has at the moment. And then the reason that I dropped him, uh, that I rose freed above Morton and Strasburg, who he was behind in the past, is I think at the end of the day, Freed is going to get you, like, the, I, I once again don't have those injury concerns with Max Freed like I do with Charlie Morton. Martin and Steven Strasburg. Those are much bigger question marks to me. You know, Charlie Morton, I personally believe can have that bounce back. Um, And this might be a little bit where you and I differ in our rankings because I didn't know this. You do like your, your list is like, this is how I'm thinking going into my draft, right? Sure. Yeah. 
yeah, for me, it's a little bit different. For me, it's more like I'm trying to be like, I uh, think about it in kind of a different macro level. Like, so more of a best ball ranking. Um, more of a best ball ranking. Yeah, I guess that's a good way. I don't know if that's a good way to put it. I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm making myself quite clear then. Like, cause I, and there are certain instances in which I would take Morton over Freed. There, there would. I guess it would have to do with team construction. But I think overall, if I was doing a simulation and I did 10,000 drafts in, you know, 7,000 of them, Freed would be the one that I take the most because that floor to <laughs> me uh, of innings is a little bit higher. Um, so I think that that's what kind of went into it. And same with Jose Barrios. I mean, I think any concerns that I, you know, you and I talk about him a lot and those are all extremely valid concerns that you have about him. But then I also was kind of, I got in, you know, Eno and DVR in my ear pulling me the other direction where it was like, maybe it's not so crazy to be as excited about Jose Barrios. Um, so his was also the one where, yes, he rose up a little bit. Like who's going to do you, do you, who do you think is going to get more innings between Barrios, Strasburg and Morton? Just innings. We could talk about quality later. Sure. Um, yeah, I'd probably say it's safest to say Barrios. I'd probably put in Barrios, Strasburg, Morton ranking. Yeah. So, I, and I think that is what led me overall. I mean, you and I can obviously disagree about what the ERA looks like, what the K rate looks like, what the WHIP looks like, but I think the innings uh, is what led right. to that jump. So, so I mean, innings are always part of the equation. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to talk innings, I mean, Madison Bumgarner going at seventy-five or so for me, something like that. Volume is there, but yep. What's what's the skills, right? And that's that's the tough balance where we're putting ourselves in. Uh, you know, where we are trying to to make here. I am I am on the side of the more and more I do these innings are not as big of a factor unless there are of quality innings. Like innings to me are the tiebreaker, not the breaker before the tie. Mm-hmm. So so like so in like the first fifteen or twenty, like when I'm seeing they're all really qu- good quality, then I'm like, great, cool. I'll put Nola and Giolito really high because I think they're going to be pretty much equal quality, and then I expect a lot of innings from them. Right. So, but when you get farther and farther, I like, I mean, we've had so many, so much to say. I'm sorry to like pull us away for a second, but like, yeah, with Barrios, it's, it's so close. It's so much closer than you want mm-hmm. from a Toby, right? I uh, like three ERA and a 120 whip. I mean, he's only had one season below a 120 whip in his career. I, uh, and it wasn't last year and it wasn't, I don't think the year before that maybe it was. It was 114 back when it was, right? Um, innings aren't as like the most amazing thing ever at that point because it's not a lot of innings of amazing quality. The amount of innings you will get on your team through the year is going to be pretty similar to everyone else's. It's just that it's not always going to be the same guy, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I have a roster spot for someone, he gets 150 innings, cool. When he's not going the other 50, it's because he's hurt or so. So I'll have someone else getting those other 50. It's just about the quality of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so, so for Brios, it's like, I hope you understand what I'm getting at with this. Like, for example, for, so for Morden, I, uh, let's say he goes 150, right? Let's say yeah. that's, I don't know what you're putting him at. It's not going to be 150 where like the Dodgers, where with uh, Tony Gonsolin, which I'm not touching because I'm not going to be able to get the other 50 innings from someone else. Like I'm going to have to roster Tony Gonsolin for the entire season mm-hmm. to get all 150. And that's the problem. But with Morton, he'll be hurt. So when he's not pitching, then I can get someone else's 50 innings instead. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm trying to get at here is I'm confident that I can find 50 innings that are better 
than and those fifty innings plus Morton's are going to be better than Jose Brios's two hundred. Yeah, I and see. I've been hoping for a two hundred. I think that's where you and I disagree. I think that yeah. I think it's a little bit higher for Barrios. And I think also the other thing, too, is like that we might not be taking into account is that you're assuming that all of Morton's regular innings are going to be of quality. You know what I mean? Morton well, could right. have 150 innings and then, hey, his velocity isn't there for the first month and he stinks. Sure. Absolutely you know I mean? true. I mean, it could also be more than 150. There are a lot of like ifs totally. and questions about it all. Um, so that, the again, way that's part of the whole balance. So without I, a I doubt. see both sides of it. Yeah. Yeah. Without well, a doubt. And I think the thought process and I hope it's important. You know, I think it's important at least to discuss that at a higher level. Oh, without a doubt. And I think that, yeah. you know, when it comes to that thought process, the, the, the way that I aired then was like, okay, I'm going to get the innings from like that's, you know, when it comes down to it, it's what you're waiting. Right. It's, yep. and, and that's oh, what I'm waiting is that Morton's not going to get the innings and there are those chances for blow ups. But I mean, like you said, I think people who have been listening are definitely well prepped enough by now. Yeah. Right, right. Jose well, it, hasn't, it hasn't been, yeah, it hasn't been like articulated. I haven't at least hmm. done it like that. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll go back to what we said on our 10 tips podcast, which you haven't listened to. It's a really good one. Fast. Yeah. It says a lot of smart things. Um, so does Nick. It's, so does Nick. And eh, <laughs> one of the things I said, was we didn't get that in there fast. I'm proud of you. <laughs> was I quoted Miss Frizzle, right? Take chances, mm. make mistakes, get messy. Yeah. And I, I think that we got to take more chances. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to move on as I try to find some room to take another sip of coffee here. Uh, so with Freed, though, I, I mm. want to really go back to this. What what made you push him into the next tier specifically? Um. So for me, I think... That was the last year where I wasn't as concerned. That, that next mini tier, which is uh, what is it? Gray, McCullers, Morton, Strasburg, um, Brios. Yes. Oh, my apologies. I actually should be one down. It shouldn't be Brios because oh, so Brios is in that that fourth tier. I think so because I'm I'm oh. not as concerned about the innings. I think Gray, McCullers, Morton, Strasburg all theoretically have higher upside. But if at the end of the year they ended up getting 140, 150 innings pitched, I wouldn't necessarily oh, be surprised. I would have pushed back just because that puts Barrios in the same tier as like Maeda and Kershaw and Woodruff. And yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point. There's a certain drop off, but I mean, I don't think you'd have any problem if I said, hey, let's just put a tier at Tyler Glasnow instead. Yeah, like with, without a doubt. If you want to yeah. create a new tier at Tyler yeah, Glasnow, yeah, yeah. that's total. And, and actually, to be to your exact point, that's where that tier should start. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Good. Okay. Uh, let's let's continue on here. So I'm seeing some little movements, so on and so forth. I want to mention one thing that I am so, so proud of us for. We really shook hands and said, we're going to make a compromise here for both Burns and Plesak. You have them at 28 and 29 now. I have Burns. Yeah, it's 26, 27 for me. Uh, it's pretty much actually get this. You are higher on Charlie Morton than I am uh, by four spots. I'm at 29 now. I uh, uh, who is the other guy I have above? Oh, you. Uh, eh. Okay, I, I'm like I'm sorry, guys. I'm like really comparing it for the first time right now. Oh, McCullers, McCullers, and Brios are the two that like leapfrogging. Okay, um, but I uh, what what? I mean, 15 is a lot. I know we shook hands and said we're me in the middle at 30. I, I'm just happy to see you. You know, come through with that. Yeah, you know, I I, I had a small compromise with myself. Well, the first things first. I said this in the little introductory paragraph that we know no one reads, where a lot of this is based off of Twitter feedback. And one of the first things that I got Twitter feedback on was my burns and my police act rating. And I heard the arguments right. and they're really, really good. And I thought, okay, I'm just overly waiting floor. 
I'm overly right, waiting. We made that compromise. So yes, exactly. Now I will say I did try to be conscious of making sure I was still the low man on Plesak because <laughs> I I still just don't necessarily buy it. Like I I I sure. wanted to like address my bias, what what could be internal biases, and be like, okay, he should be higher. But I think overall, I'm still a little concerned he's not going to be the person that he's being drafted at. And at least now my uh now my rankings reflect that. Okay. All right. Uh, I see Alcantara also got a seven point boost to the point fast that you have him higher than I do. Do I really? Yes. I have him at 34. Mm -hmm. Um, You have uh, Alcantara at 32. Okay. Uh, The main difference being it looks like Zach Greinke and Denilson Lamette both underneath him. Okay. Uh, Can you go into that? I'm seeing 36 at Zach Greinke. And I would imagine, you know, if you're talking about innings and everything, um, I want to kind of hear the difference between Jose Barrios and Zach Greinke, who are currently 14 spots apart. I would say six miles an hour on their fastball uh, is, is, is a well, pretty good indication. Yeah, but yeah, there was over four miles different yet. Who had the better pitch last year? Uh, yeah, that's a really good point. I, I think with Granke, I'm still a little bit concerned that his fastball is coming in at 88, not 89 miles an hour. And we saw it get hard hit harder than it's ever been hit before last year. And he's in a stadium where that ball gets hard hit, you know, better than ever. You know what I mean? I just worry about uh, I worry about that. I worry about if he's, you know, is this going to finally be the year in which he's, you know, ineffective? Uh, I think at the end of the day, it wouldn't surprise me if Barrios had a better ERA than Zach Greinke at the end of the day. Uh, yeah, those innings, probably Greinke is going to get them because they need someone to throw them in Houston. But I think theoretically, at the moment, the floor is a little bit higher for Barrios just solely because of age. Um, I mean, I don't want to take away from Greinke. That changeup was absolutely fantastic. But like I said, 12% bail rate on that four-seamer was the worst of his career. 377 Woba on the fastball was the worst of his career. Um, so that has me a little bit concerned. Um, so when it comes to Sandy Alcantara, like I don't think the innings are going to be that far off from Zach Ranke. I still think he can be an 180 innings pitch guy. And I think to me, the floor, I mean, the ceiling is a little bit more exciting from Sandy Alcantara. Um, like, obviously, if you're really overly waiting wins, sure, you can give it to Zach Ranke a little bit. But I think when I looked at I, I kind of kept Granky and Bundy there together, uh, which is sad considering the age difference. But like for me, you know, they're kind of similar in that they're not going to blow you away with a fastball. They're both capital P pitchers who are going to be able to command well. I And let me reiterate, I'm not putting Zach Granke in the same sentence as Dylan Buddy. Those two people, you know, one's a Hall of Famer and the other one is a nightmare. Zach Granke, um, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well said, well said. Uh, so I, I think I wanted to, those were other guys too, where it almost seemed like I was waiting their ceiling a little bit too much. And when I looked at some of the warts in particular, well, we already discussed the warts for Zach Granke with the fastball. When I looked at the warts for Bundy, it was, okay, we definitely don't know if he's going to be able to pitch a full season because he's always had injury concerns. We definitely don't know what his fastball is going to look like after 120 innings because of those injury concerns and because of his velo concerns. Um, I wasn't taking those enough into account. I personally think he's going to be able to look more like he did last year than he did two years ago when he was with when he was with Baltimore. But San Diego Cantar is fully on the opposite end of that spectrum, right? I don't really have those same concerns for him, right? I, I feel like when he has that foundation with that sinker, which I think is a completely underrated sinker and such a top pitch for him, I, I just feel like the floor, the ceiling that he brings with that gets me a little bit more excited. Um, and I've been really happy to get him as like my SP3, SP4, mostly SP3 in a bunch of drafts. I mean, during our Legacy League draft, 
you were saying in the chat, oh, like, are yeah. we actually letting Nick do this? Is yeah, this are we letting? Yeah, exactly. Because all he it. had was Jacob Degrom, and coming around to the tenth round in the middle, I'm just like, Sandy Alcantara is yeah. right there. It, it was wonderful. Um, I, I'm going to say this: uh, if I had to update my rankings today, I think I'd make one change, and and probably a couple because of the Zach Gallon news as well, the mm. Michael Lorenzen news. But I mean, along that same way, I would probably putting be putting Lamette in tier eight. Um, and what I've been really saying is I need to get four guys I trust, right? Yeah. And that to me right now is at the end of tier seven. So tier eight is when I start to have more questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lamette should be underneath that. So it's now turned into 41 guys. I've been thinking like maybe Montas is actually deserving of it, if hmm. anyone. Um, yeah. But I mean, he's at 43. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, but uh, but look, I mean, I have Granky at thirty one, Paddock at thirty two, Barrios at thirty three, and Alcantara at thirty four. Uh, I'm not far off from you at all. I would say, with everything negative you just told me about Bundy, I am eleven spots lower on him still, mm. and it is surprising. Uh, I know how much you love Bundy, so I guess it's not that surprising. But seeing like Joe Musgrove, Jesus Luzardo, Aaron Savali, mm. uh, Sixo Sanchez, these really big names that I know that you're into, and uh, maybe not Luzardo, and we'll talk about that in a second, um, to see them still behind Bundy. Um, and yeah, is there anything specific about Bundy, or is it more so about those four guys? No, yeah, I don't think it's anything specific about Bundy. I think when it comes to like, it's funny. When it comes to like, I guess it's better to break it down individually because the sweeping generalization that I wanted to make is like, have we seen those guys, quote unquote, do it? You know what I mean? Like, have we seen them do it over a long period of time? Montes, you can make the argument. Yes. I haven't seen Bundy do it. I think we saw Bundy do it over 50 innings like last year. Eight starts. Then six of Sanchez should be there. Huh? Yeah. And who had the higher K rate between the two? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But I mean, I would uh, like like Bundy had it for eight starts and two terrible starts. Yeah. Um, two, but even with those like really last struggling, even with those last four starts, he still had like a sub three FIP or something like that. Uh, okay. He still so, had a top so, 10 yeah. FIP in the final I, month. I would push back that eight starts is really like seen it. Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, I don't think it's too crazy considering what 50 innings looks like to take that as uh, to take that as like doing it. I mean, cause then you could rule off Frankie Montas, right? How long was his dominant stretch for? Sure. I uh, that his was 2019 of 100 mm. innings, 90 plus of something like that. Okay. And then he yeah. got suspended. I think also too when it comes to Bundy is like he made the change that we thought that he could make and it that's what led to those that domination. Well, no, I don't want to say sure. domination. Yeah, he that, didn't that dominate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. But well, when yeah, like I mean, he did he did for those eight starts, he certainly did. It was when amazing. it comes to a guy like Musgrove though, I mean that's kind of the like I said, I didn't want I didn't want to make too much of a sweeping generalization, but Musgrove is the person who that statement really is the most yeah, about. That, that makes total sense. Yeah. Complete sense. It's really just been September's. Yeah, it's been and that's the worst part of it. Like if yeah, all this happened in June, <laughs> if all this happened in June, no one would care about Joe Musgrove. But it's oh, the same man. thing with it's the same thing with Hazel Cesardo. Right. Where it's like, I, I don't think I can really put him above Bundy because while I do agree that that um, he he can definitely be better, like there are warts there for Jesus Cesardo that I don't think we necessarily pay a lot of attention to, especially when it comes to innings. So when it comes to those guys, that's what I was thinking uh, in terms of the rankings. That makes sense. Um, yeah, Luzardo, Luzardo is someone that I don't particularly love mm. um, because he does have a, it's a breaking ball that he 
you know, gets whiffs with, whiffs with same with this changeup. Sinker isn't that good. Uh, hasn't performed that well, I should say. Does come in hard, though. Um, and I can imagine him doing better with that pitch with time. Same with his four-seamer, right? Uh, and when it comes to innings, honestly, I don't really see that big of a difference between Luzardo and Bundy. Bundy has never proven himself as like a massive workhorse. Uh, and it does seem like this year the the athletics are going to let Luzardo go until, I mean, at, through the year. And sure, maybe it'll be like, all right, fine. You've thrown 160, you're done. Okay. But it's, you know, with Bundy, I feel like we'll cross our fingers. Hopefully he's healthy enough to go full 160, you know, like he's got 170 and stuff, but it's, there's always been like something with Bundy uh, too. Uh, but with Luzardo, it, there, it, it very much feels, it has been for years that he's just every year going to improve. Um, and yeah, it wasn't sparkling last year. It was over, over a four year, right? Over 120 whip last year for Lozardo. There is just a general understanding like, oh yeah, no, his stuff is better than that. And you give him more time. Like he will blossom to some degree. How much? I don't know. I, uh, it's, it does make me put him at 37 and I, I do, you know, I think you would agree that like Luzardo's ceiling is top 20 or so. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. You haven't seen it. And so I, I can understand that argument. It can be. And just some slight pushback on the innings thing. We've seen Dylan Bundy go over 163 times. We've never seen Hazel Cesardo. I mean, he's gone over 100 once. You know what, what I mean? What are the, what are those three totals from Bundy? 169, 171, 161. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I'm getting at, kind of. It's not like, you know, if he was on the same level of like Aaron Nola and Giolito and Barrios of this mm-hmm. workload, then I would feel differently. Yeah, but it, Bill that Dylan Bunny isn't made for that. Um, but uh, you're right; you'll probably see more innings from Bundy than Lazard. I mean, here we are. This is all my fault. I pushed this down an in innings projection discussion today, and <laughs> that's the stupidest thing to discuss. Well, so. I mean, yeah, I, I think the other reason too, like I, I fully agree that like it's it's moot to kind of even bring up these conversations because we just don't know. We don't know yeah. what these organizations are thinking. But I, if if I if I am postulating Hazel Cesardo is 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 what he's 23 years old he's 23 like the the athletics are in no rush to get him to 165 innings this year especially considering he had 59 last year it, it just would not surprise me if they were like yeah okay we've got enough depth that we're gonna go ahead and give you 150 and call it a day okay do they though they like have no depth that's kind of funny it feels like, like fires they- is already hurt and yeah that's pushing- yeah they're pushing AJ Puck into the position. Maybe we'll see some Dalton Jeffries and stuff. I uh, yeah. Look the, again. Here I am. We're talking about innings. Okay. I uh, <laughs> if I had to make a wager, I think we made this wager on um, on rates and barrels last week. Mm-hmm. Was where do you side on like the whole innings discussion? And for me, I side in the fact that if anything, we're undervaluing how many innings guys are going to get because someone's got to pitch these innings mm-hmm. and I get the feeling that a lot of organizations are going to want to not have to throw so many bullpen games and so many triple a guys into the, put them in the frame, just like see what happens. Like they're going to need some of these pitchers to step up. And when it comes to the athletics, like I think Luzardo is one of those that's going to have to do it. It's going to be Bassett. It's going to be Montas and probably Luzardo too. I mean, you want to think Manaya, but Manaya's never shown like he can stay healthy enough for it. So th- that's where I'm kind of leaning with it. Who knows, man? Who knows? Yeah, I'm no going on here. I'm going to push this forward. Yeah. Go um, ahead. You came down 
on uh, Luzardo. That was a big minus 10. You did go down on... Uh, Please on don't say that. Mousman. Please don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't say that. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean... Okay, you are down <laughs> okay. on... Gaussman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is a G-rated podcast. Fast, <laughs> come on. Okay, okay. We are not doing phrasing. That is not happening anymore. Sure. Um, I didn't say anything. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, Julio Urias leapfrogged him to forty-four. Yeah, uh, with a plus eight. And I, I, I know this has to do with the discussion last week. Has it to. does. Yeah, it does for sure. I mean, seeing that new breaking pitch is really exciting for him. And I don't know. I'm, I was kind of going off just a hunch that like this whole David Price thing means that maybe he's going to it's like, I mean, you, you brought it up as well. Who benefits the most, right? Yeah. Maybe Urias is the guy that they're kind of like, OK, you're our you're our SP4 and we're going to let SP5 be Price, May and Gonsolin and and go ahead. And May, if that's May, Gonsolin yeah. and Price, just get May out of there. That's fine with me, too. Although that that new. <laughs> fastball from Dustin May or how much he's relying on oh, is, hope, is interesting. It's interesting. It's not a sinker anymore. I hope not. It, and it may well not be. And, th- and that's what's kind of interesting. But to your point, like, yeah, Urias was like, yeah, okay, there is a lot of really fun upside there. And if he is going to get like 150 innings this year, it could be really, really good innings. And if he yeah. does have a more consistent breaking pitch, which it looks like he does, which he then used the next day uh, that looked really good, then, okay, that's really exciting. For Gaussman, it's like, I think I've just been finding a reason for other people to kind of leapfrog him um you know i was thinking today like i was watching kevin gassman in his spring training start against the white Sox, and he just got ripped like he gave up this like insane shot to tim anderson he gave up this shot to eloy jimenez and once again this is the line of thinking that i had like a lot of guys go into spring training and you know i've been talking to some pitchers and they're like yeah i got hit today but i'm working on my fastball and like i was putting it here and it's not going to work but like it's so funny because when kevin gaussman like if he works what's what's he gonna work on he's got two pitches what's he gonna do what's he gonna do be like okay i I put my fastball here now it still stinks uh so (laughs) i i just get worried about like the slider is not a good pitch and i uh, while i do trust what happened in san francisco last year there was that weird thing where they like closed a gate which like changed their, their like how much offensive oh, output right. they had yeah, and it like right, benefited right. their pitchers. I don't know if that's going to happen again. Um, so I think with Gaussman, it's just like, I just can't believe that a two pitch pitcher like him is exactly what we saw last year. So that, that's why he dropped a little. So, so a couple things. Uh, one, I think it's very revealing. Um, I, I feel like this is something we should be doing more often is, is coming to terms with our emotions when we see things happen. Uh, so, for example, like I've said before, watching Zach Wheeler and I'm just watching him do well. And I think don't think, oh, this is surprising. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. Like Zach Wheeler is this good. and He's just doing great things in front of us. And when Gaussman doesn't do well, do you feel, oh, no, no, no. Like this is just an exception. Or do you feel, oh, oh right. Wait, maybe this is actually balancing my my projection of him. Like actual not like number projection, but like me projecting my thoughts onto him for the past six months. And I'm getting the feeling like I'm writing these articles. Uh, if you guys want to know what the uh, the content schedule is, mm. starting pitcher sleepers tomorrow, Wednesdays, five pitchers I'm drafting everywhere. Thursday is starting pitcher busts. Fridays, five pitchers past 300. Then the list on Monday next week. Then bowl predictions on Tuesday. Then my streaming article on next Wednesday. And then Thursday is the pitchers that I'm watching the first week of the season as we kick off opening day. And Gaussman will be in that Thursday article starting pitcher busts for 2021 mm-hmm. because nice. yeah I, I i like i want to like gaussman i remember last year like writing the roundup thinking like oh man i cannot wait to draft gaussman next year because no one's going to remember this 
And everyone is like, not just remembering it, but they're thinking he was a saint. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, two pitch pitcher. Yes. He increases fastball velocity in season. It didn't quite always stick. Uh, he did get better with his command of it going up more often, but otherwise there really isn't that much different save for going to AT&T or sorry, Oracle Park, I should say. And I don't think that like saved Gaussman. No. Um, he was really bad the previous two seasons. I don't want to forget that for the Braves and the Reds too, because people always want to be like he's you know he's an Oriole, so of course he's good now. But like he he stunk yeah, on two other yeah. teams after the Orioles. I'm glad that's the point you have to make, like because <laughs> I, I I I get it so much. I mean, okay, right, but but look, I'm not saying that I wouldn't want to have Gaussman on my team, but right, I mean you have him at 45, I'm at 50. That's where you have to get him, you know, in the same tier for both of us as someone like John Means or actually he's in the outside tier, but like Frankie Montas and mm. Tyler Molly and Joe Musgrove. Actually, Molly might be on that, too. But I but that's the point I'm getting at is like Gaussman could very easily fall off. And I think he's my current pick for this year's Nick Pavetta, which mm. is uh oh, I don't know. Maybe he's getting drafted too late to be Nick Pavetta. But uh, that, that's, I don't know. Who would you, yeah, who would you say? I know this is off tangent, but like, who would you say is this year's Nick Pavetta? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Probably, I mean, if, if my definition of who is this year's Nick Pavetta is who's being overdrafted without taking into account what could be a, a floor. Well, let me, let me define this. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a younger pitcher, not an older one. Yeah. Or like one that like recently became good. Yeah. Without a lot of track record. Mm-hmm. Has a high strikeout rate that we expect to be better in the next season. Who's going within the top 50 starters? I mean, I don't know if it meets every single requirement of it, but Zach, please, Zach, for me. Oh, yeah, that that works. That absolutely yeah. works. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, why Zach, please, Zach? I just, I, I mean, I think, we, you know, I just don't, with where he is being drafted right now, I don't think it takes into account in any way, shape, or form what that floor could be. Um, and I think there were enough red flags. Uh, you know, if people are all of a sudden drafting him to be like a, mid three low three era pitcher which it kind of seems like they are <clears throat> excuse me then and and then yeah i fully believe he's this year's <laughs> you know nick Pavetta. so yeah we uh we we got zach play second labor didn't we did we not no i don't think so i don't think i ever would have allowed that to happen <laughs> <laughs> i just for some reason i feel like we got him okay good then i'm glad we did it for your sake uh, uh that was ray murphy ray murphy got him in labor okay um yeah it's funny with zach please like i have this i have this burning feeling burning feeling mm-hmm. <laughs> that please like is just gonna be like so good it, it, i don't know I, i've watched i've watched a decent amount of those eight games and yeah his fastball does get crushed a couple times but it's he's a really good pitcher yeah we'll see yeah oh man I'm, I, mean, I, I was thinking about this I, today I can, i'm excited it too it's just been so such a small sample we don't yeah I'm excited. I, I like. I, I feel like for the first time ever, you and I, you and I both have guys that like. Yeah. We are more in and out on. Like I, I, I think I'm much more out on John Means. Like I just think I'm. Why? Even though it's funny because he rose five. You know, I, I watched him again today. Like I watched his mm-hmm. entire start. The velocity wasn't there again. He had a 37 or 32, 33 pitch inning in the first against the Pirates, where he could not put anyone away. It was like, okay, here's my slider over the heart of the plate that Colin Moran fouled off a few times. Mm. And he was like, okay, here's my fastball coming in at 94. And they're like, okay, I'll just foul this off too. And they're like, okay, here's my curveball that he couldn't command whatsoever. So I was like, uh, 
this is the floor, right? This is the floor for a guy well, like John Means. I'm not I'm not disagreeing. I mean, I'm at 47. Mm-hmm. You're at 50. Yeah. You know, and I find I even put myself put this in the the draft guy being like, guys, if you notice, John Means isn't here mm. because I just would rather. I mean, he sorry, he is there, but it's like, don't reach for John Means. I'm just as fine getting like Jose or Keedy rounds later. Yeah, Jordan Montgomery and Domingo Herman and James Paxton. I mean, it might as well be a Yankee thing there with James Paxton even too. Sure, but like you know, it's it's not at a point where it is with like Tyone for me or Kluber. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of funny because I was hyping him up a lot because I thought I was going to get him in like the 18th 20th round or something yeah uh and nope not anymore so guess yeah i i mean i'm not against that for you Mm. i we'll see we'll see what happens all right i'm gonna move through this because we're already gonna go a bit long on this one oh i didn't say that on the rates and barrels one did i um i'm not sure Okay. Uh, you know, you made a joke of it. I think you did. You, okay, I think you that's good. Yeah, we'd have what? to re-record the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I'll, I'll talk yeah. to them. We'll see if we can make that happen. Yeah. Um. All right. So I'm happy that you've been swayed on Jose Okiti. We've talked a lot about him. I'm going to move past that. Mm-hmm. I understand why you've done that. Hey, plus seven on Tyone to forty nine. Yeah, Welcome. you swayed me on that. You swayed me. Welcome, on Welcome, buddy. Yeah. There, You're there are people. On it. There are people that there are people that Twitter swayed me on that are Burns and Pleasak. There are mm. people that uh, Eno swayed me on, which is Urias and Rikidi, and then there are people that you swayed me on, which is definitely Jameson Tyon. Okay, I like the first guy definitely too. He's good too. Um, now, <laughs> Ryan Yarbrough is up to yeah. fifty five, and I noticed this because I saw him in the Legacy League that you you know you were a little aggressive on him sixteenth round. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about this one. Yeah, I think it's another guy, too, that it's just a really exciting floor. And the thing that has held back Yarborough a lot for me in the past is like really not wanting to deal with the way that the the Rays were going to manipulate him. Right. When is he going to get innings? Is it going to be four innings? Is there going to be a starter? Um, And he's been, you know, pretty effective in all of those situations. And now they just really can't afford to be doing that with him again. Right. Because they have a weaker back end of the rotation. We don't know what we're going to get from Hill. We don't know if we're going to get from Chris Archer. Um, He's the past two years put up a 3.55 FIP and a 3.8 FIP in that shortened 55 inning season last year. I'm taking the over on all of the innings pitch projections for him. There isn't a single one. I guess steamer has him at 163. All the others have him at about 150. Um, I just really buy into some of the things that happened in that shortened season. I think the most interest, like some of the most interesting changes were around that changeup. He increased the usage to 30% which was a career high for him. And he completely dropped the zone rate on the pitch to a 26%. And the 17% swinging strike rate on the pitch was fine. It was actually not even a career high for him. That was in 2019. Um, and he had really good batted ball results on it as well. So, and I, I, you know, I think sometimes you might hear like, oh, well, he started throwing the change up out of the zone a little bit more. We want it to be around 40%. He's shown that he can do that. You know what I mean? Like he's shown right. that he can be an effective guy. It's not like he all of a sudden lost command with this changeup and guys were chasing it out of the zone a little bit more. Um, I also think, you know, the, 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 the cutter usage, I think was a little bit interesting. It was kind of like pretty dependent on the handedness, right? He only threw like a, a you know, a handful to left-handed hitters last year sure. yeah. um, and threw a bit more to right-handers. I just think that he's got like that nice floor that you can, the last, the last thing I want to say about him is, and why, why I'm having difficulty talking about him, is I don't know where to put these floor guys in yeah, the isn't rankings. Yeah, is it hard? Is it it's so, so hard? hard. Like, so, uh, yeah. So uh, where you know do you put Keichel or Gonzalez? I don't know. Right. So, so how I construct it is, I have 
I have the injured tier, which you mm-hmm. have actually the same place that I do. Yeah. With sales, Severino, Syndergaard, 62, 63, 64 for you. Mine's 60, 61, 62. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, like, before and after to me are, like, where you do you where you put those guys. Um, I don't have Yarbrough in my top 100. At all. The, other, the, 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 the thing that I say is I don't draft Tobies. And to me... That's what the fratty pirate is, Ryan Yarbrough. Mm-hmm. I just don't do it. So, I mean, I have, I guess I have Bassett. Maybe I do. I think I might have Bassett inside my top 100. But it, it's close. If I if I don't, then I'm like, <laughs> no, I have him at 80. But it's like, essentially, once you get the interest here, then you say, okay, if you, if you want that ratio thing, fine. But these are the ones that I'm chasing early. And then here's some fun upside things and then find some more ratio guys that could be okay. Yeah. And that's kind of how I structure it. I mean, you have to make a decision of what kind of pitcher is a Toby to you or not. And <laughs> like so some people it's different. Yeah, you know, totally. People, like my Tobies are certainly starting sooner than others. And I recognize that. But for something like, look, I don't want to do the churn and burn as much as you do, Nick. I just want something that like gives me, Yes, I'm going to be aggressive on starters early and like I'm going to get hitting. So like, just give me anything. And like, okay, fine. Then you can bring them up a bit. Um, so that's why Chris Bassett, I understand 56, like he does never had, or at least the past three seasons have been sub four ERA in a sub 130 whip. Like I get mm. that. Um, Ryan Yarbrough, I don't, I actually like the idea that Tampa Bay should be pushing and relying on him more so than ever this season with like rich hill and like that's not gonna last uh we don't know how chris archer is gonna do is michael waka's increased velocity all of a sudden gonna mean he's gonna throw 180 innings no it's not so it's like tyler glass now and ryan yarbrough i mean what what else is there so i'm with you on that stuff i uh, but yeah that decision of like when do i get a toby i, I would probably do it after i would do it like um i see like zach davies for example i think I think you would agree that Zach Davies, especially early on in the season, is probably something you'd be happy you're drafting. That, so that brings it up an interesting point, because yes, you're right. Is 2021 the year of the Toby? Oh. Is this the no. year of the Toby, Nick? I, no, I think Well, it's get year... through all your self-denial first, okay? No, no, and no. Then... I'm gonna, I'll tell you why no. Why? Because th- this is the story of a girl. Uh, <laughs> Did she cry a river and maybe <laughs> grab the whole world? <laughs> no, but I mean, look, whenever you talk about preseason rankings in any sport, it doesn't matter if it's baseball or here I am tripping out my fantasy football is stupid. I'm going to bring up in fantasy football, whatever. All the trends of the previous year then get reflected on the drafting of the next year. Okay. But, but that season defines the next year, right? So as of right now, it's this, it's the drafting season of the Toby. Only because we had such few amount of innings last year that we mm-hmm. don't know who the actual guys we should be going for, so we're all being so we're being more conservative. But because we don't know those things, it's actually a, a reason why we shouldn't do the Toby because that means that we're going to have more opportunity on the waiver wire than ever before. You know, there, mm-hmm. there are so many guys that just kind of went under the radar of or actually we were performing at a high level, but we didn't get the full season to showcase that. And we're like, oh, it's too small of a sample to really extrapolate that. So I'm not going to do that, right? Good example. J.D. Brubaker had some nice starts. Maybe that actually would have been a full season of him actually showcasing, look, I am really good. You know, but we don't we don't know. So we didn't do that. Brad Keller, sub three ERA, right? Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he I, I would have pushed him down too. You did in yours. Maybe that was something real, you know? And this yep. is the year of like, 
a lot of guys I think would be pushed higher up if they had the longer season, but they didn't. So a lot of people I think are tending to go for your Marco Gonzalez, your Chris Bassett, your Dallas Keuchel, you know, being a little safer on it because we don't know yet. I'm like, this is amazing. This is great because what's my favorite thing to do fast? Pick up guys on the waiver wire. Yeah, exactly. Let's go. You know, so I think there's going to be more opportunity for that this year than ever before. Yeah, I'm with you. Do you feel your, this is a really quick tangent. Do you feel you're hurt though by the amount of leagues that you're in that you're going to like, are, are you able to dedicate enough of that time and attention to oh, yeah. scouring the waiver? So, so what happens is I write my roundup. I'm going to be doing it in the evenings, so which is even better because then I can do all my stuff before y'all wake up and read it. And no, I'm just kidding. You guys don't mm. read it. But uh, no, essentially, as I write the roundup, I often make my moves. So <clears throat> there's a whole like process I have. Um, and yeah, no, it's, it's, it's like I follow the same model in each one for the most part. So it's like, OK, cool. This guy's in the one I'm targeting today. So yeah. I'll just go through and look at that. You know, it, it's not so bad. Mm. All right. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah, you're hosting here, Nick. I know. I know. But that was that was a fun rant. I enjoyed that one. I hadn't thought about it before. And you brought something out of me. All right. Okay. I love this tier 10, by the way. It looks similar. Like, I I see Minor in here. I see Odorizzi and Davies. Tristan McKenzie, I honestly kind of like that you pushed him into tier 10. I've had some some question marks myself about Tristan McKenzie. So, I I want you to... I mean, you pushed him up. Yeah, uh, it's funny. All these... This entire tier got pushed up. And I think these are... And all for kind of different reasons. This one's kind of like a messy tier where it was kind of overly weighting the floor and not taking into account... Cleveland and the skill set that he does ha- does has. I do still worry about him against left-handed hitters. I saw that again today in his start against Milwaukee, but I do think that there is a path for him to figure that out. Zach Davies, we talked about not just the beginning of the season. You know that that's a great reason for sure. The other reason brings it to it: the changeups and how he's going more uh, same-handed changeups than ever and having great results with it. And I think he can continue to do that. Jake Odorizzi has a team, so I feel more sure about the projections. I think he's going to be able to get a good amount of wins. Mike Miner, love how many innings he's going to be able to get, and I think he's going to be better. Obviously, we've seen the returns of the velocity, which are really exciting too in mm. spring training. You say four? Oh, yeah, it's nice. One last year, you say Kikuchi? Like, I don't know, man. I, yeah. I, I just, I, I've really dug what I've seen, and I think that the Mariners just kind of keep proving that they're really good at helping these pitchers turn into, you know, something better than just serviceable. Um, well, well, I you hate I, the, all the Mariners. Well, I don't mean to hate on like the organization, the Mariners, but I, I would say that Driveline did a lot of like fix uh, improving Kikuchi's velocity and introducing the the slider or the yeah did he go to driveline this past summer or two summers ago uh he went two summers ago and remember we were we were getting excited about 96 mile per hour Kikuchi last mm-hmm. year and like Rob Silver called us out for it <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah don't forget I don't I never forget Rob Silver <laughs> never forget <laughs> He's but, uh, but I, I, I hope the Kikuchi thing works out I mean my only hesitation the reason that I have him I think like 10 or 20 spots lower um, is because it's a rough schedule in April, mm. and I'm. Uh, you guys know me. I'm ready to to pilfer away at the wire, and Kikuchi is someone that just won't help in that first month, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I'm. To be honest, of all these things, I'm surprised you're not leaping through hoops that Shohei Otani jumped up 16 spots. I mean, that's oh, I probably why it's your favorite there. tier. Yeah. Oh. Look at you. I mean, you're still about 16 too low. Just kidding. With you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, uh, once again, overly waiting floor, you know, wanted to. And yeah. that was also before he'd thrown any pitch. Obviously, very exciting. I still think he can leave some of his breaking pitches over the heart of the plate and it oh, can yeah. still get clobbered. I, um, I'm not going to tell you that I'm not a little afraid that his command isn't quite there yet. 
Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. So th- those are my concerns with him. I think that's a nice place to have him. Um, I'm a little bit more interested uh, uh, as a result of those things. And then AJ Puck up 13 because yeah. he's got a rotation spot and there's Look a lot of this. promise there. Oh, I love that. I have him at 75, UMS 72. This is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. We're going to I'm going to breeze through this now because I realize that I'm just taking so much of your time fast. Um, we got some new additions in the next tier. Carlos Martinez, Alec Mills and Domingo Herman. Yeah, you sold me on the Domingo Herman thing. He looked a little bit better than I thought. And now that we're getting into the 80s, he's an interesting flyer to take Alec Mills. Obviously, like, you know, some nice things there in terms of his movement profile. And then that easy, really easy schedule at the beginning of the year is just so beneficial for you because it should be mm. some easy starts. And not only that, it should give you an opportunity to keep an eye on who is on the waiver wire and not have to take risks in the first week. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I think that's such a fun strategy. It's like, all right, you know, it's like you've been preaching. Let me get a guy who's got an easy schedule the first two or three weeks to see who's going to develop. That way I don't need to get burned with taking guesses off the waiver wire. I can let things accumulate a little bit, like pay attention to CSW um, is what you should be doing. And then Carlos Martinez. Yeah, like I I think he's another guy kind of like Madison Bumgarner who just missed out on this list where we kind of just forget like there is a skill set there, even more so with Carlos Martinez, because I think he's younger um, and he's got that rotation spot. So that's pretty interesting to me. Absolutely. Uh, I also see Eliezer Hernandez and Ivaldi each jump up at least 16 spots here. Yeah, um, I, I think that was just having to do with all the uncertainty behind them and then a lot of people getting cleared off of the list. Uh, I think Eliezer Hernandez, I've, all, I've been a sucker for him and then I went off the wagon and now I'm a little bit back. Uh, okay, I'm at okay. least I'm at least curious to see there. And then Nathan Eovaldi, I think before was just me being terrified that we were going to see like 20 innings out of him. The velocity's there. Easy start to the year. Um, so, yeah, that's why he's up there. You know, I'll be honest. I'm so tempted. I've been getting more and more tempted every single time. Uh, I have Trevor Rogers at 94 right now. You have at 98. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Welcome, Trevor, to both of our lists. <laughs> uh, same with Rich Hill. I see at the uh, at the end, too, for you. Um, I'm tempted to crown Rogers as the fourth Marlin pitcher I'm interested in. Over Ellie Iser. I think, I, yeah, Ellie Iser's at 84 for me. Trevor Rogers, 94. I wonder if Rogers has a more of a complete repertoire uh, than than Eliezer does that allows him to go deeper into games. Um, and I, I might be saying that Ellie, uh, that Trevor Rogers is the one that I want to get at the end of drafts as I go higher and higher in pitch. Maybe I mean Trevor Rogers threw twenty eight innings last year and like oh, yeah. 20, 28 innings the year before. So I actually do doubt that his new velocity is going to sustain over the course of full starts and over the point. course of 50 innings. So that's why I personally put Eliezer a little bit higher. Um, sure. That That's what my concerns are. Like I, I, I like you definitely swayed me to get him on the list, but the reason he was a little bit lower was like, okay, so are we like, is he going to be like a 90 pitch a 90 innings pitch guy this year? Is he going to be like, what, what's, what's his, what's his, what's his innings going to look like? Rogers. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I, the way I see it is like any young guy that is getting this opportunity all of a sudden is like 140, 150. Yeah, the highest projection is 124. Well, right. But who, the projection is just like, oh, he's the fifth starter. That might He might not stay as that because he doesn't have any experience in it. But like if he's yeah. the fifth starter, which I think he can very well be through the year, then it's who cares about that projection. Um, to, I don't know if this is to the benefit or not. Uh, you'd be the judge here. Eliezer and Rogers pretty much have the same opening schedule mm. of St. Louis the first time. And then Eliezer has the Mets while Rogers has the, has the, as Atlanta, but then it's a G- giants back to back after, um, would you feel comfortable with either one starting for all of those? None of those, I. Uh, 
How you um, yeah, Rodgers against Atlanta scares me a little Absolutely. bit. Um, Cardinals and Giants for both Eliezer and Rodgers? Is there are no. you starting them for both? Yeah, I'd, I'd start those. For, I'd start both of them. All three? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not as concerned about those. Yeah, so that's I think I'm leaning your way too, mm. which is kind of sneaky then for mm. Eliezer and uh, and Trevor Rodgers out of the gate. Um, which is kind of what I, as we we're saying, we want to lean towards guys that are doing things that we would start them for mm. early in the season. Yeah. So something uh, we'll be watching. watching oh, we'll this. be watching. We'll all be right. watching. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, all right. To wrap this up, uh, we've got. Let's see. You added. All right. This is the last one I'll do. Uh, Justin Dunn is here mm-hmm. at ninety nine. Yeah. And Dylan Cease is at 100. So talk me through this 99 100. You decided these are the two guys I'm going to put on the list. Yeah. So it's Justin Dunn. I, this list came out at 10 a.m. on Friday morning. Uh, right. Justin was Dunn was 18th added the 18th. Justin Dunn was added at 9.57. Uh, I'm sorry. He was oh, at 957. 957. That morning. Get out of here. Yeah. And you know what? So, so I was I was texting with Pitching Ninja and he for some reason he was talking about Justin Dunn. And he was like, I just did this interview with pitch with with Justin Dunn. And what was fascinating to me that I didn't know, uh, well, there's a few things. One, he's shown an uptick in velocity, which is really exciting, and he's like sitting much higher than he was last year. Two, he's got a brand new changeup that he's like really loving that other pitchers have even reached out to be like, What's going on with Justin Dunn's changeup? That's a really filthy changeup. <laughs> and then three, so those two things, which are the most important, but then and the third, he found out he was allergic to eggs and dairy. And usually I'd be like, okay, he'll change his diet. He ate eggs before every start. He oh ate every start. He ate the thing that he was allergic against. He met with a dietitian, and it's totally helped change his diet to give him more energy over the course of a start. And it also harkened back to what I just thought about the 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 Mariners as an organization you might not agree with me I think they do have a, a top 10 top 5 uh, uh, organization or at least how that's how they're regarded in terms of developing pitching sure. um, even the changes that they made with Justice Sheffield who I think was knocked out of this list as a result of this Justin Dunn change um, it's not it's 98 so I'm not or 99 excuse me so it's not like I'm saying like I hope Justin Dunn 99 now <laughs> yeah I wish uh, it's not like I'm saying Justin Dunn is the is the go-to sleeper of the year but he's something that I was like okay that my interest is peak yeah okay that, that's very interesting stuff um, so maybe he's not just one and done yeah, oh, very nice. Very, very nice. Very, very nice. Um, and then Cease. Cease is a guy, I don't maybe it was Mike Curland or SP Streamer or someone who said, like, who's someone that you were out on that you've come back around on? And it's probably Cease for me. And I think when it comes to Cease, it's like I was so out last year because I just didn't buy any of the command changes that happened sure. for him. And I think there is a still like I think I need to remember that you know prospect growth is not linear that he's got a new pitching coach in chicago and that while i do think it's not you know changing your command isn't like oh just get a new fastball or something or like oh just tweak one of your pitches like changing your command could be a lot more in depth than that but i do think that like putting him at a hundred then acknowledges the fact that if the command isn't there, he could blow up in your face. But if there are some command changes, he's still young enough and there is still enough in that breaking pitch and that fastball combination that he could be really, really good. I just need to see in these first couple starts, if there's anything to that command. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I think you're right about that. The, the innate ability of Dylan sees is throwing hard mm. uh, and having a lot of movement on sliders and curveballs. Yeah. Uh, the problem has been where are they going? <laughs> where are they going? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, 
100%. There, I think that this is kind of what I'm getting at is like there are so many of these guys outside of the top 100 for us that they can, sh- in like the first couple of weeks, we all go, wait, what? I call it kind of Brandon Finnegan syndrome. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember like the first week one year, he had like eight innings of shutout ball or whatever. And everyone in like 10 strikeouts, something ridiculous for the Reds. In like oh my god, I do remember that. Yeah, was like, he was like, yeah. Do I pick a Brandon Finnegan now? You know, and we're like, well, okay, I don't know. And that stuff can happen. And I, yes, that one didn't work out. But what I'm saying is, out of nowhere, someone you never even thought of is going to have an amazing outing that first week. And sometimes that stuff sticks, you know. It's Lucas it's Ilita the reason was the worst pitcher in baseball in 2018. Yes. yes, and then became the ace that we know in 2019. It's the reason why no one should ever listen or follow us, and it's because like, <laughs> and it's the most beautiful, but also the most maddening thing. Where you're like, there's always, and it's not one. There's always a dozen pitchers where you're like. Tell me you were genuinely ranking or thinking about this person two months ago. You know what I mean? Like, it's like Jordan Alvarez. When Jordan Alvarez came up, it was like there was like maybe two lists he was on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and Shane that's Bieber wasn't like a prospect guy. Totally. And like, now he's, you know, yeah. arguably a top five pitcher in all of well, baseball. The reason you should listen to us. Mm-hmm. Is because we do things daily and through the week that keep you up to date, especially the first nice. podcast, which guess what, guys? This He's weekend. Coming back. Or this week. On next week. Monday, next week. Yeah. I'm going to be live streaming at 8 30 a.m. Go to twitch.tv slash pitchless Eastern Time. Wait, I'm I have be one. starting it. Yeah. I have one question for you that I was a little bit surprised that you didn't that you didn't bring up on. Are yeah. are you in your next iteration? I don't think he's on there. Is Taiwan Walker going to make your top 100? No. No, not at all. I because I, I think he. I mean, this is a guy who could be a low Toby. four, 23, 23% I don't want a K low rate. Guy. I'm not drafting a low no, no. four ear ray guy. Uh, with a 23% K rate? I'm not doing that. Right. I, 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 like, if I, if I have a roster spot on my 12 teamer that is a four plus ERA, no, get out of here. I'm, mm. I gotta, I gotta try and get better. You know? I mean, that, that's just kind of how that that's the mentality I have. And I do recognize that, like, in recent years, a four ERA is different than it was in, like, 2015, uh, when that was, like, the year of the pitcher and everything like that. And it might there might be this feeling that I'm clawing back for that. But, yeah, I'm not settling for that. You know, if that's what it ends up as, okay, fine. But, no, man, I'm not going to draft for that. Yeah, I mean, couldn't you theoretically say that about Drew Smiling? Well, Drew Smiley, though, like if it doesn't work, I'm out. I'm done quickly. Taiwan Walker, you're talking about four low four zero for the year. Like mm-hmm. I'm not expecting it to be like anything better than that. Well, Smiley, like hey, maybe, maybe this actually like he performs at the level he was early on, and then I move on if it's not. You know, we'll ha- we'll understand the the skill set that the Smiley's bring to the table in April, regardless of the results. To be like, oh, okay, cool. Like this is what this is. One way yeah. or the other. I mean, then I would then like Caleb Smith comes to mind too. Like that's same that's, idea, same yeah? exact idea of like knowing where he's at. That that's mm. why I'm like that's the whole important thing. It's like cool. I know what Caleb Smith needs to do. Yeah, I know how he needs to perform. I don't expect dramatic change out of Taiwan Walker. Like that's what the Tobies is. That's the, that's the whole argument versus ceiling and Tobies. And yeah, I'm out on the uh, like. Look, I can find a Taiwan Walker on the wire through the year. Chris Bassett wasn't anywhere, you know, like 
And he just shows that Brad Keller was accessible last year. I mean, they, I can I can cite off many of these. Sure, but couldn't you make the argument that we did see that kind of change from Walker last year? What didn't he didn't he like drastically increase his cutter or something? You're saying a low four Z array. Yeah, I mean, two point seven ERA over fifty three innings last year. Yeah, but, we don't we don't expect those. Yeah, no, we don't. I think he had like a four something FIP. Yeah. Anyway, I put him in there All in right. the in the, anyway, early, so, in the late eighties. So my, my job as a host is to stop this, and I can't. So. <laughs> But that that is going to do. You should follow follow Alex Fast at Alex Fast Eight on Twitter. I am at Pitcherless. But that's going to do for today's edition. I'm your host Nick Pollock. I'm Alex Fast. We'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>